pray, and, and then we'll roll up with it. Father God, um, we just thank you that your grace is really just so for us. And Lord, as I, I speak today, I pray that you would speak personally to every one of us. God, so many people in this room, people online that you just love so much. You have a personal, individual relationship with each of us in our own unique way. And Lord, I pray that as I speak, that you would speak. And Lord, that you would awaken things inside of your people that are maybe dormant, that you would give your people a confidence to hear your voice and a clear sense of faith and peace. God, I pray that we would be the kind of people that live with confidence because we would know where we stand with you and we would know who we are. God, give me the words to, to make it clear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning, is an, the message may not be that unusual, but the way it was delivered to me was kind of unusual because what I'm going to be speaking out of today came from a personal word that I received from the Lord. So you're going to like live vicariously through me today a little bit because I felt like the Lord spoke to me and then I felt like the Lord kind of turned the table and then was like, yeah, but it's not just for you, it's for everybody else. And so at times it might be a little bit more personal maybe than usual, but I believe the Lord wants to say some things that would really encourage us. And the imagery that the Lord showed me in my mind's eye when he spoke to me was this, this story that we're going to look at here this morning where the people of Israel crossed through the Jordan River to enter into what the scriptures or people refer to as their promised land. Now, if you're familiar with the story, I'll try to bring everybody up to speed. What we have in the Old Testament story is a picture. And there are pictures in the Old Testament that God is using to communicate our New Testament reality. And so, if you are familiar, the, the people of Israel were slaves in the nation of Egypt, and they had been there for quite some time. But there is what the scriptures call an exodus, where they exit out of a place of slavery, but it's not just an exit from something, it's an entrance into something. And so when you, when you look at the imagery of the Old Testament, the people of God were in slavery, they were in bondage, they were in oppression, and that is a picture of what it is like for us before we ever come to faith in Jesus Christ. We have been slaves of the devil, in bondage to sin, and powerless to really get ourselves free. But we are really not the agents of the exit. We are benefactors of the exit. God is the one who did all of the work, and that's what we just talked about in communion. God does the work of rescuing. God does the work of saving. And so God does miracles, signs, and wonders and brings us out of bondage, but that's not God's end game. God has so much more in store for each of us collectively, but also on a very personal level. And that exit is to take us into our future. 
into our destiny. And a lot of times, I don't think we fully grasp the magnitude of our future and the image that God wants to make us. And the thing is, is the exit is mostly God, but the entrance has a lot to do with God making us into something powerful, victorious, molding us and shaping us so that he doesn't do it for us, but he actually does it through us. And so when we look at the, the story of the people of God, they were entering into a place that they had never been before. I want that, that idea to be kind of driven into your soul today because I believe that that is one of the key ingredients of the message of the Lord today. I believe the Lord is speaking to all of us today and saying, I am taking you to a place you've never been before. You have known Egypt, you have known bondage. You have known wandering, you have known the wilderness. You have known a lot of things, but where I'm taking you is into your promise. I am taking you into your destiny. Now some of you, you have prophetic promises from God and you are daily reminding him that he needs to get on the job and get you to where he told you he would get you. You see, the Lord has a thing for telling us where he's taking us, and then he uses that as a compass to help us not give up in the waiting, in the process. And so we, you may have received a word from God, or maybe you're just going through life clueless. But whether you have received a promise or whether you're just going through life just surviving, you are not just randomly going through life. You are being taken somewhere. And you have to become something so that when you enter into your destiny, you're ready for it. That is, is a lot of what we want to talk about today. Because the Lord spoke to me and he talked to me about waiting on him in the process and how to go into where I've never been before. The Lord really was wanting me, I believe, speaking to me personally, but I believe the Lord has this for a lot of us, is don't run ahead of God in general, but in this time. In this time, the Lord is guiding you through a maze. He is guiding you through a place And if you rush ahead of him, you're going to make mistakes. My oldest son, Ezekiel, wanted me to share this with you because we watched an episode of a TV show called Ninjago. It's a great show. I think it's one of the best. Like, most TV shows today for kids are bad. Like, but Ninjago, I think, is a great show. But anyways, the idea in this show really went with my message, so this is why I'm going to share it. In the show the characters had found themselves inside of a video game. I've just lost half of you, but the younger generation, you with me. They go into a video game, and in the video game, the, 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 the game has a guide. And this guide is like a ninja master that is supposed to guide them from, through three different trials, 
And to get through each trial, his job is to keep them alive. And so all of these players, so to speak, come through this video game, and they meet the guy, and they're not listening to him. Most of the time, they're blowing him off, and they keep walking into, like, death traps and dying. And they keep, you know, then they re, you know, respawn. If some of you are like, what is a respawn? But the, the point of it all is, is that in the show, these characters had a guide to lead them where they had never been. But because they would not follow his lead, they failed over and over and over again. And so today, I, I believe the Lord was speaking to me that a lot of people, a lot of Christian leaders, have taken their gifting, their anointing, their calling, and they jumped the gun. They entered into their promised land in their own timing, and because they did that, what they brought into the equation was polluted because they weren't prepared. Does that make sense to you? So, but this is the beautiful thing, and this is the encouraging part of everything I have to say today, or at least the main thing. The Lord spoke to me personally, and I believe this is for all of us. He said something to the effect of, if you will follow my timing, if you will follow my leading, if you will follow my training, Every single thing along your path, you will be prepared for, and you will know what to do. And I, I just believe that the Lord wants us to not be fearful in the unknown. God does not want you or me to be afraid or anxious, because there are times in our lives where things come our way a problem, a circumstance, a situation. And you're, then you're in that moment, and on the outside you look like a normal person, like you got all together, but on the inside you're screaming, God, what do I do? What do I do? And then in, and then in those times, the Lord's like, I've already built you for this. You're already prepared for this. And have you ever been in your life where you came across a situation or a circumstance, and it maybe was hard or maybe it was easy, but most of the time it's hard, and you thought to yourself, I know what to do. Because years ago, this happened, and now I'm ready. And other people around you may be freaking out and panicking, but you're like, no, no, I know what to do because I've been trained. I've literally had this happen so many times. Years and years of futility and not knowing what I'm doing and why God was doing things the way he was doing things. But the Lord looks into your future and he sees every single problem, every single obstacle. He sees the future and he's like, I've got to get them ready for that. I've got to get them ready for this. There's a trap right here. I have got to prepare them. And we tell God, God, I'm ready, God, I'm ready. And God's like, no, no, you're not ready at all. You, you, you want to rush this. You want to rush what I'm doing. But I am getting ahead of my preaching right now. This is the introduction. I got to stop, I got to slow it down. And let's, let's go into the actual scripture, and then we'll talk more about what I'm talking about. All right, so 
Uh, We're going to pick it up in Joshua chapter 3, verse 2. This is the people. They are about to enter into their promise. They are about to cross the Jordan River. And in verse 2, it says, So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. So there's, there's the, the, the little slogan there. You have not passed this way before. So if, you, if, you're, if you're not familiar with what the Ark of the Covenant was, it was essentially a rectangular wooden box that had poles on, on it, that, and these poles were how the priests would carry this Ark. And so this Ark was essentially God's throne on the earth in a very tangible way. And so back then, God would manifest in very tangible and even physical, see-with-your-eyeball kind of way. And so when, when we're talking about the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, what we're essentially talking about is the presence of God. All right, so we see here, they're telling when you see the presence of God, you're going to follow it. But there should be a space between the presence of God and you. Because that presence is going to lead you. That presence is going to go in front of you. Don't go ahead of the presence of God. Don't go ahead of the leadership of God. You've never been this way before, so you will be led by God. And so they see this presence of God going before them, all these people. And I love, and it says about 2,000 cubits which is about half a mile. So there's a decent amount of distance as they're following. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, Rachel, but a cubit is from the end of your hand to your elbow, right? About, so that's about a cubit. So when you see here, see a cubit in the Bible, the taller people, they have a longer cubit. So, so that's how they measured, this is their tape measure back in the day. So seems like a lot of work to measure out 2,000 cubits. <laughs> All right, do not... Go near it, and he talks about leading them. And then a little bit later on verse 14, it says, So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. So I want you to see this imagery right here. This is the Jordan River. You see flood season. It's flood season. There is a ton of water is overflowing the banks. That's just how God likes his his obstacles, overflowing. He's like a Hollywood producer. You know, that's not spectacular enough. Let's add water. Let's do it this way. Like God has a thing for making it look completely the opposite so you know that he was involved in the equation. 
So he goes, and they show up, and it's overflowing, and they've got to cross a flood of a river. And they have to stand back, and these priests, I, I feel for the priests, you know, it takes a little bit of faith, like, all right, this Joshua's like, this is what you got to do. Take your feet. Walk and get in the flood. Just, and just stand there. <laughs> and, and then everybody's just watching them. Like, I can only picture the priest. Like, I'm not going. You go. You, it's your turn. I carried it the last mile. You carry it this mile. So here, here we are in, in verse 16. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. So the imagery then is these priests stand in the water, and you know what happens to their naked eye? Nothing. Nothing happens when they step where God told them to step. And nothing happens while they wait. And they wait. And they wait. Because miles upstream, God began to work. God began to work in a place they didn't see, in a way they didn't know. They were being trained. God in this moment is not merely taking people across a river. He's training a people how to hear his voice. He's training a people how to trust him when they don't see what he's doing and they really don't understand why he's doing it. That's our life, isn't it? That is our life. This is what I want you to do. Put your feet in the water. Okay, my feet are in the water. 15 minutes later, nothing changes. Okay, let's find another, let's find a shallow crossing. Let's find another way. See, that's what we want to do. We get weary. We get weary because it takes years. It takes years to build a man or a woman of God. It takes decades and a lifetime to build a man or woman of God. So when you're like 10 years in, you're like, God, I am done. This is so hard. And God's just like, you should be thankful you're not Abraham. You see, the Lord knows your destiny, and the Lord is preparing you for it. And he's saying, I'm doing a lot of things without telling you why I'm doing it, because that's part of your training. You're going to become mighty if you can learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And you're going to be really mighty when you figure out that patience is your friend. Trust me, I'm telling from this from personal experience. God spoke to me so personally. He said, Daniel, patience is your friend. Because we want to run ahead of God. We do. And the clearer the vision, the more impatient we become. Because three months is way too long. And so in this place, God is at work until finally the water stops flowing and the ground becomes dry. And, now, and then the Lord's like, now you go. Now is the time. Now you walk across 
on dry ground. You follow my leading. You follow my guiding. And that's the imagery that we see there. So look at my notes to make sure I'm not forgetting anything super important. Oh, yeah, that is important. I'm glad I looked. So, <laughs> so when, I was, when I received this, this message from the Lord, one of the ways the Lord speaks, at least to me, is through mental images in my mind. So in my mind's eye, what the Lord showed me, he says, Daniel, I'm leading you where you've never been, and I'm training you for it. But then he said something to the effect of, I'm leading you like a shepherd leads their sheep. And he began to explain to me that I have not driven you at a speed that was too fast for you. In fact, I've driven you at a very slow speed. And I don't know much about sheep, and I don't know much about shepherding, but I think I have heard that sheep are not ridiculously fast, and they don't do well when they're driven. And the Lord spoke, and he said, I have not treated you like cattle. Cattle you drive. Sheep, it's kind of the whole Psalm 23 thing. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm just chilling. I'm just going with the flow. You know, sheep, sheep are not highly task-oriented, motivated individuals. They just kind of go with, with where the heck they're led at their own little pace. And the shepherd is patient with them. I think a lot of times we do so much damage to ourselves and others because we are so impatient with ourselves. And then we project our impatience onto God and we think God is upset with us and we think God is frustrated with us and all the while God is just kind of standing there or we just kind of zigzag around. But he's, he's got his eye on us and he's coaching us. And I saw literally the Lord showing me that I, in my mind's eye, Daniel, you are a sheep and it feels slow because it is. It feels slow, but the Lord was like, but I'm driving into you. I'm working into you a wisdom, an understanding, a knowledge, a character. I'm building something into you, and because I'm building something into you, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid about your future, because no matter what happens, if you stay Behind me, if you follow my leading, I am gonna, I've already got you, you, I've given you the answers before there was ever a problem. And so there's this, this imagery of a shepherd leading us and guiding us, and patience is our friend. I remember when I was in third grade, Mrs. Kovalenko, she gave us these sheets, and there were a hundred problems. And I can't remember for sure, I think it was like a two, two I think we had two minutes to get these mathematical things done. So we would start out with addition. And I, for me, it was always a competition to beat everybody in the class. So, so we, I always took second. That time, John Brumbaugh, he was always so good. But, but we, we would get timed, and we get our paper, and we get ready, and we do addition. And we're like doing our problems, and the timer would go off, and I'd get 67 done, and I'd be like, ah, and we did it day after day after day. And then that one day came, and I finally got 100 problems done in probably a minute and a half or two minutes or whatever it was. And I, I felt so cool because I was the second kid in the class to do it. So I felt like it's really smart. And then it was like we did subtraction until we 
got all of them done in the time. And then we did multiplication. And then we did division. And I am so thankful we did it every day. The same lesson over and over and over. And I don't know about you guys, but you're probably going through the same lesson over and over and over. And you feel like, God, I got it. I got it. And God's like, no, you don't. <laughs> Let's get it in there. He's driving it into you so it becomes who you are. He's driving it into you. And you're like, Lord, I see myself teaching other people. And God's like, exactly. This is going to be your life message. You're going to train up other people in how to overcome in this area. And so the Lord is building, training, equipping, and he has, is, is, it can't get any clearer. Be patient because you're in training. And I want to look here at a couple of verses found in Isaiah chapter 30. The context of this, the prophet Isaiah is speaking, of course, for God. But um, the nation of Israel was pretty much in trouble because the Assyrians were coming after them. And so the Lord wanted to speak to them concerning who to trust in and how to navigate what's going on. So in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 30, God says, Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel, but not of me, and who devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who walk to go down to Egypt and have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh. And to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, the strength of Pharaoh shall be your shame. And trust in the shadow of Egypt shall be your humiliation. So we see here, they're in trouble. But they want to send, they sent ambassadors to Egypt to form an alliance. Because they actually believed that if they were aligned with Egypt, that Egypt would come and protect them from the Assyrians. And God is telling them, listen, Egypt will not be able to help you. Egypt is a lot of talk, and they're not a lot of substance. They're not the kind of ally you want. It's like you guys, you take counsel, but it's not my counsel. You're making plans. But are you really listening to my spirit? See, that's how it is when we run into crisis, when we run into circumstances. The temptation is always to do it our own way, in our own strength, because trusting in God is scary and it can be hard. One of the hardest things as a Christian is to do nothing. In fact, one of the hardest things as a human being is to do nothing. But the Lord knows that when we follow his lead, it brings him into the equation. So let's look further down in the passage in verse 15. It says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest 
you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. And you said, no, for we will flee on horses. Therefore, you shall flee. And we will ride on swift horses. Therefore, those who pursue you shall be swift. Verse 18. Therefore, the Lord will wait. The Lord is so patient. He is all of eternity. He is the most patient of all of us. So God's like, you keep trying to do this, and you're delaying your progress. You're trying your impatience is actually causing you to wait longer. Therefore, God says, I'm going to wait. But this is why. That he may be gracious to you. That is the best thing that God could do for us. We, we say, God, bring me up to the next level. God, bring me to the next stage. And God says, I love you so much. I'm going to protect you. I am literally protecting you right now from your future because you're not ready for it. And so we see here, the Lord is being so kind, so loving, so gracious. We think God's slow. God says, no, I'm protecting you. And therefore, he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. So, I just believe that the Lord is speaking to a lot of us here today. And he is saying, I know you want it. I know you want to move forward. I know that maybe you're afraid or maybe you're struggling with discouragement because it just feels like it's never going to come. And I just believe the Lord wants to encourage some tired people and some weary people But I also believe that this message is not only for this moment, but it is for the times and the season that we are in. And I have no idea what that means. Like in terms of like how long, if it's like three months or the next two weeks. I really do have no idea on a timetable. But I believe that all of humanity is entering into a time that we have never been. And things are going to be different. And we have been in a ridiculous transition And I don't like it any more than you do. But we are entering into, I believe, a time when promises are going to be fulfilled. I believe that we are entering into a time that we are going to be stepping into some things that we've always wanted to step into. And if you have been patient in the training, you are going to be ready. And if you've been skipping the process... There is no time like the present to get into the place you are called to be and the training that God has for you. We oftentimes, I think we look at our circumstances as our circumstances and don't see our circumstances for what they truly are. They're they're school. Pastor Tim actually said this when we're in training for reigning. Tim's like, I said that? That was was pretty wise. (laughs) He said it this morning. I was looking for confirmation. I was like, I need something, God. How? We are going through life thinking that our circumstances 
are not, I'm not, I'm not saying everything that happens to you is God. But I believe what the scripture says, that God works all things for good. So God doesn't cause all things, but he takes everything and then he spins it and he flips it for good. And he is like an, I mean, could you imagine how much work that would be? To work it in such a way that all of humanity is actually on track to do what is ultimately good in the end, not in the moment, but in the end. And so God is taking his masterful wisdom, orchestrating our weaknesses and our fears and our insecurities and our strengths and our giftings and this friendship and this job and that coworker that drives you nuts. And God's like, yes, that coworker is everything that you need to get you where you need to be. And you're like, oh Lord, deliver me. And God's like, why would I deliver you when I'm bringing transformation? You're welcome. This is going to protect you. This is going to prepare you for your marriage. This is going to prepare you for leadership. You're going to be a manager in the business. You've got to learn social skills somehow. You know, we don't think like God thinks. And we look at our problems and God says, you're welcome. There's an opportunity. There's some protection. Yep, you're going to have a great marriage because that sister of yours is teaching you. You know, whatever, whatever it is. God is working and we are fighting it. We are slowing it down. Man, I hate that. I hate how much I've slowed down God because I want to get on the job. But the truth is, is that we all know it looking back. We can see God's fingerprints, but in the moment, we're just still ready to move on to the next thing. And we want to take matters into our own hands. And I, I, I'm always reminded of the, the story of, of Jesus. He's in the wilderness. He's, he's fasting. He's, he's you know, seeking the Father, and the devil comes and tries to tempt the Son of God into sinning. And one of the first things he does is he comes to Jesus and he says, if you are the Son of God, turn those stones into bread. And Jesus, you know, shuts him down and says, no, it's written, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I was younger, I always thought, what's wrong with Jesus turning stones into bread? How is that a sin? And the answer is, it wasn't what the Father was doing. You see, Jesus, now there, there are times in our lives where, and maybe you're in it right now, where literally your circumstances have hemmed you in and you don't have the option to turn stones into bread. But there comes, I'm speaking figuratively, but there are times in our lives when actually a door opens up and you have the ability to, and the power to turn a circumstance into what you want it to be. But the question then is, should you do it? Is this making sense? So, you know, say for example, in a a simple illustration, let's say you can make a financial decision, like you, you want to, you know, you want something financially, but you don't have the money to do it. But let's say years later you have money. Now that you have money, should you take the power that has been given to you and turn those stones into bread? Is that what the Father is doing is the real question. Is this making sense? I know it's kind of abstract. But I think what, 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 we're, what we're trying to get at is you are going to be entrusted 
and are being entrusted with power and authority. Now, we don't live like we're authority or kingdom or royalty half the time. We live like we're U.S. citizens and we're powerless. And we don't understand the power that we have inside of us, but if we begin to understand the power that's inside of us, we'll steward it better. And we'll begin to understand the power of our own words, that they are life and they are death, and that and when the Lord sees us stewarding what he has given to us, the true royalty and identity of children of God, kings and queens under Jesus Christ in the family of God, when we begin to see our true identity, the Lord says, you're operating out of your identity and now you, are, you have matured and I can give you more. You can get, I can give you more of the power and the authority of the kingdom because I want you to steward it well. I don't, I, I'm, I'm just going with what's coming into my head. I'm like, now where do I go with this? But I think that, I'm serious. I, hadn't, I wasn't even planning to say any of that. So now I'm like, where do you go? Um, but I, I guess we'll just go on to Saul. Saul, King Saul. Kitty, you want to come up here and help me land this? You'll make it sound more anointed. So, <laughs> King Saul was the first king of Israel. And he was chosen by God. I think we forget that. He was chosen by God. He, he ended a miserable failure. But God sought him out. Not for him to fail. And God anointed him, put his spirit upon him, and the scriptures say was really transformed into a new man. So this is, this is like a legit work of God, chosen by God, empowered by God, and placed there by God. And there was a prophet named Samuel who was kind of the, the mouthpiece for King Saul. And, and Saul was, was king for some time. And Saul began to engage in battle because that's what, one of the things that he was called to do as a leader. He was called to engage the Philistines in battle. And Saul and his son Jonathan found themselves picking some fights, fighting back their oppressors, and really ticking off their oppressors. Their oppressors were... were kind of angry and irritated, and so they began to mobilize against them. And so I think, I think it says there were 30,000, I can't remember if it was 30,000 chariots or whatever, but there were thousands. I think that the wording is that when the Egyptian, not Egyptian, Philistine army amassed, they said it was like the sand on the seashore. And, and all of Israel was in fear and dread and in torment. And then there was King Saul, who was also in dread and fear and in torment. He was chosen by God, picked out by God to be a man of nobility and authority and royalty. He was given a job to fight. But he was also given a command to wait. You see... Samuel was supposed to come, I believe, on day seven. And he was supposed to offer a sacrifice to God. It was the man of God, the prophet. I believe he was a 
can't remember, can't remember I think, was he, a, was he a Levite or a priest? I think, Samuel, was he a Levite? I can't remember. This is what happens when you don't study. No. <laughs> Joking. But Samuel was supposed to come and do the sacrifice, not Saul. And the scriptures say that there was such fear that Saul's army began to run away and leave. And many ran into caves and literally went into holes in the ground to hide for torment. They went, you know, they ran for the hills. And Saul just kept seeing less and less of his army, less and less of his commanders. And Saul had a ridiculous fear of man issue because he found what he needed inside of man and what man thought of him. And it was his fear of man that was his undoing. It was his fear of man. And so the Lord, I believe, delayed Samuel on purpose because the Lord wanted Saul to learn how to wait and how to trust in God more than in an army. And so Saul failed the test Because he did not view it as training. He thought the circumstance was the circumstance. He didn't realize that this was only phase one of many, many other phases. A destiny, a place where God wanted him to bring him to. God wanted Saul to succeed. He wanted him to be free of fear. And so God allowed everything that was inside of him to come to the surface. Because now what he feared was coming, and he feared man on both sides, and out of that place of fear, instead of just staying in the process, instead of waiting on God, instead of following God's leadership, he took matters into his own hands, and he said to them, get me the sacrifice. And he offered it himself. And Samuel shows up, He's like, what are you doing? And he says, well, everybody was leaving. I had to, I had to get on it because we're going to lose. I'm scared. And Samuel's like, that was so dumb. That was so stupid. <sighs> Saul rejected persistent training. And God finally said, I cannot work with this man. I want to build him into something mighty, but he keeps allowing his fear to rule him. And he keeps taking matters into his own hands and instead of letting me mold him and shape him for his future and for his destiny. But David was completely different. David was the next king. Well, technically he wasn't. But he, he, came, he, was, he came into the equation very quickly. David went through the pain. David went through the testing. David sought God. David cried. David wept. David ran. David dodged spears. David, no matter what happened to him, and he made mistakes, and we do make mistakes, but God doesn't say, oh, You're out. He says, no, we're going to do the test all over again. We're going to do this again until you figure this out. Because I, there's too much riding on you 
learning this lesson and becoming nobility, becoming and stepping into your true identity. You are royalty. And as you begin to see that, you will operate on a level of faith you've never seen in your life. You will operate in miracles and healings and signs and wonders. I'm not blowing smoke right now. I believe I'm speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. There is an army that I see in the spirit realm. And it is being pushed against the wall. But it is being taken into a destiny of victory. God will fight for you, but you will also fight the Lord's battles in a spiritual sense. You will operate out of identity, and that's what all of this is about. Your training is about you realizing who you are and how God believes in you and how God thinks about you and how God loves you. And when you are consumed by the love of God, you stop falling into the fear and into the discouragement. And you become full of compassion and you become full of patience because God is full of compassion and God is full of patience. So you begin to reflect a character and an integrity of someone that is not who you used to be. And you will be built by God, transformed by God if you will wait, if you will submit. Your future is bright. You're going We're going where we've never been. Do not be in a rush to promote yourself. Do not be in a rush to advance your agenda. Do not be in a rush. You have dreams inside of your heart, and I'm not, you need to follow the leading of the Spirit, but don't force it. Let God raise you up. Let God bring the vision to fulfillment. You just want to stand up? If I could have the prayer team come to the front. In just a moment, I'm going to pray over you. And at that time, you're welcome to just pay attention to what maybe the Spirit of God is saying to you and and to respond to that. And these people are awesome. This is a really important part of what we do. When people can receive prayer, it brings um, a chemistry, you you know? You bring, you mix chemicals together and you get a reaction. It kind of takes sometimes what God is stirring up inside of you and activates it. And if you're here today and you would say that maybe you're still in an Egypt, that you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, that you have not entered into freedom from sin and shame and your past, if you want to be what the scriptures talk about, being reborn, it's like a brand new start. Or maybe you went back to Egypt. Maybe you've given your life to God years ago, but then you found yourself going back to slavery, going back to addiction. If you are in that place, I would encourage you to come and receive prayer today and tell them, I want to leave Egypt. I want to be free of this. But if you're here today and you believe the Lord has put some things inside of you, and maybe you don't even have the words to describe, but there's something inside of you that feels stirred up. I believe the Lord wants to pray over you, and maybe maybe one of the people praying for you will even get a word or a thought to say, you know what, I believe the Lord 
wants to say this to you. So if you need prayer for any physical issue or any emotional issue or any spiritual issue, you are welcome to come and receive prayer. And you're even welcome to come as I am closing in prayer. So Father God, we come before you and we thank you, Lord God, that it is your fresh word, your daily bread that we live by. And God, in this time, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying today. That we would know the times that we were in and we would know which way to go. And Lord, I just pray that you would break off fear off of all of us, God. God, I pray that no matter what happens in our circumstances, that you would deliver us, Lord, from a way of thinking that is fear-based and that you would bring us into the true nobility and identity that you've called us to. Lord, we just surrender ourselves to you. We offer our future to you. And Lord, I ask that you would give us eyes to see what you're up to. And I ask for help to know how to partner with you instead of fighting against you. God, forgive us for fighting you and for dragging this out. Have your way in us, we pray. We offer ourselves to be molded and shaped. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you.